Hey guys, it's me, Alex. So, this week I am sharing with you episode 35 of My Alchemical Bromance, which is uh, frequent guest Eric's podcast. Uh, the guest is me, which is why I'm sharing it with you guys. This comes from, we recorded it in July. thought it was a good conversation. We're talking about microdosing, um, for some reason, Adventure Time. I don't really remember all of it, but... Um, I just wanted to put something on the feed this week and tell you that there will be new content on the Patreon this week. So if you'd like some new Alex Cast stuff or um, maybe it's me reading something. I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. But anyway, it's patreon.com slash Alex Boland. Alex Bell with two X's. Um, <clears throat> I think the I think it's like the $5 level. Maybe it's the $1 level. You get new stuff. It's the $5 level. So like donate five bucks and you can get the... Um, all the stuff that just goes up on the Patreon feed, which for right now is a couple of readings that came from, I think originally came from the Outcast and all of the old Outcast episodes, you know, one through 100. So yeah, go uh, Outcast.com. That's where I am right now. I'm good at this. Look at me. Patreon.com slash Alex Bolin. Alex Bell with two X's. I'll put the link in the show notes. But anyway, please enjoy episode 35 of My Alchemical Bromance featuring me. Bye. to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson, and I'm here at Rue's Brewery with Alex Bolin, who is the host of the Alex Cast, which is the longest-running Alex-themed podcast in the universe. He's also an author. Uh, he wrote a book called Periphery. It's a novel. He's written some short stories, and he's written some other stuff. And I know that writing is really important to him because he talks about it all the time. And I think he might be like a tortured author. Do you consider yourself a tortured author sometimes? Yeah, I suppose so. I yeah. mean, I just, I, I guess I'm tortured and an author. That's more, that's more the order of operations, you know. If this is programming language, first comes tortured, then... then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're tortured first and an author second, so... It's... Yeah, I suppose so. Okay. Yeah, that's I don't cool. know what would happen if I stopped being tortured. I mean, I, I might still write, but I think it'd probably be terrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm going to talk a little bit about this place we're at. Ruse Brewing, it's brand new. Like, last week I was walking by this place on the way to to some event I was going to and when I was walking up I noticed this really cool like Egyptian themed artwork on the wall of this business I had no idea what it was and I looked inside and it was a brewery and they were like oh our grand opening is in five minutes so I came in and got a beer from them right when they did the grand opening so now it's their I guess this is still this is their second week that they've been open oh wow yeah um and you got one of their beers. You got the... I got the Translator IPA. Translator IPA. Yeah. Um, what do you think of it so far? Oh, I quite like it, yeah. It's it's the style of IPA I was looking for. It's, kind I, of, it's mild, huh? It's like not... Yeah, I went through... I think everybody does this when they get into microbrews, that mm-hmm. I went through that the more hops the better thing. Like, yeah. just pound my tongue with hops, and yeah, I just like, get so tired of it. Now I just want, like, even... Like, I'm actually more like a pale ale person. Like, mm-hmm. not even, like, the no more dry hops. Like, But this is good. Like, I like the... the Lower, yeah. what's it international bitterness unit is that the IBUs, phrase yeah, yeah yeah i need i need less ibu yeah. there's a there's a most there's a uh what is it S. it's like standard there so there's a color there's a there's a measurement of the color of a beer which is something like 
SDR or something, and it and like the the name of the 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 name that the acronym translates into is something like standard measurement unit or something like that. Where you see it, and you're like, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But it's a way of measuring the darkness of a liquid or the darkness of a substance based on how like light is absorbed and retransmitted at a specific frequency, a specific okay. wavelength. Um, it's super nerdy. So it's probably I'm going to guess it means spectrum density something. That might be better. Yeah, I don't think it does. I really, oh, no, I, don't I, know. I, I really never, can't. I, I just remember, like, I, I was looking at it and I couldn't figure out what the uh, uh, what the acronym would stand for. So yeah. I looked it up on Wikipedia, and when I saw what the what it translated into, I was like, "This is just this is the dumbest name ever for a, for a unit." <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not very memorable. <laughs> no. All right, so I got a taster tray, and this first beer that I'm going to taste is. A collaboration between Ruse and Allegory Brewing called Keller Pills. And Keller is a German word that means cellar. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised you can remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. Here, you want to try that? Sure. That's like probably the best summer beer I've had in a while. It's got kind of a fruity note to it, but it's mostly just like unassuming and thirst quenching. Yeah, no, that's totally like really light. Yeah, if I if I were sweaty and in the need of beer, this would be a, a yeah. delightful thing to throw it on my face. Yeah. Mm. All right, so you have been using mushrooms to microdose to deal with depression yeah. or something like depression depression yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I've been diagnosed as severe treatment resistant depressive yeah. what does that even mean yeah, what just, the treatment resistive part is that like it basically just means um, you've tried a whole bunch of crap and they add other words to your diagnosis <laughs> I mean honestly <laughs> that's what it means it's, it's just it, there's so there's like you know kind of low I don't remember the exact terminology but basically there's you know kind of low-level depression where you know you get the blues every now and again and then uh-huh. you get to the point where you need uh, medication and that's a certain level and then treatment resistant is basically where medication is having a tough time therapy has a tough time etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh-huh. like it's it's just another quali- it's it's uh, just another kind of qualification they add I think there's certain kind of um, implications that go along with it like I'm pretty sure I could go on like disability mm-hmm. which I'm no I'm not remotely close to that but I think or maybe there's one level above that you know not to sound so like ooh, this is levels like Mega Man or something. But uh, well, how do you level up? Do you have to like defeat a boss, or does the boss have to defeat you? Well, I think I think the boss defeats you. Yeah, oh, the, okay. the, yeah, the, the, yeah the, the boss shadow that lives in my brain. Oh. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, yeah, the microdosing mushrooms has been the only thing that remotely touched it. Like on a like I've taken uh, what you call it, uh, pharmaceutical uh-huh. antidepressants before. And they help for a bit and then kind of stop working, which is mm-hmm. kind of, this is where the treatment resistant part comes in. And yeah, mushrooms was the first time that microdosing them was the first time I was, uh, to use the really corny phrase of, oh, I felt like me again. I forgot what this feels like, which is a, a thing a lot of depressed people know that feeling if they ever uh-huh. get through it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that translates to people that haven't dealt with this, but hopefully it does. I mean, I think I can imagine it. I think I can imagine how that must feel. Um, it's hard to, yeah. But you're right. Like people who haven't gone through it, like that. You know, I, I can only understand it the way you describe it. 
probably. Well, I heard this great thing. This is very recently. I heard this phrase. I was like, oh man, I wish I heard this years ago. It's like depression is the feeling of wanting, just wanting to go home, but you have no idea where home is. Mm. So oh. it's just like, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because everybody has a feeling of, oh man, I just want to go home. But it's like, I could have that feeling in my house where it's just like, I don't, I don't have, you know, that's, there's just, there's no home it. to go to. Yeah. Well, look, so, so then how do you, um, how does the microdosing work? Like, what's the process you go through? Like, you get, you get, uh, like, psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. And uh, then what? So, there's a protocol by, oh, I'm going to forget the guy's name. So, I'm just going to say there's there's the standard protocol that if you look into it, it, it shows up everywhere. It's like the Feynman protocol or something like that. But um, what you do is you grind up uh, the psilocybin mushrooms after they've been dried, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Cracker dry, as the phrase is. Okay. You grind it up really thin, and then so mix it up so everything is completely equal dosing. And then it's you usually start at uh, one microgram, so like one microgram. Yeah, microgram. So um, of, of mushroom. Yeah. So basically, wow. so that's like. I think oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, ten micrograms. I'm so bad at math. Okay, let me put it this way: if you put a gram on the scale, uh-huh. uh, point one. That's okay. So a tenth of a gram. A tenth of a gram. Sorry, okay. I'm wretched. That's at not math. even micrograms. Yes. <laughs> There's like a thousand micrograms in a gram. Yeah. Yes. So. The problem is they call it microdosing, and then that screws my math up because yeah. I'm I'm good with. So it's a hundred micrograms. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I th- so point one gram. I wish math and look up the protocol. Anyway, the point okay, is. Okay. But it's about point one grams. Yeah. You. Yes, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. Point one grams is where you start. I was taking point point two five, mm-hmm. um, and every three days you take it. So it's one day. You oh, take, so it's not even every day. No, you take a pill one two day, one one day on, two days off. Okay. And the point is, uh, you aren't supposed to feel it. Hmm. Like there's no. Um, I've heard of the phrase. I keep wanting to say subliminal, but it's, it's subperceptual dose. Okay. Where you won't notice it except for maybe again that. To, to go back to that metaphor, you might start feeling like you know where home is for a second. Like, yeah. it's kind of, it, you don't feel things, it's that you feel the absence of things. So, like, if depression is a cloud, uh, you know, it's, you'll notice, like, oh, there's slight bits of sun coming through. And I know this is uh-huh. the cheesiest metaphor ever, but no, no, it, I think it's I've hard seen to this describe. on a commercial for antidepressant <laughs> yeah, before. It's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> awful. But I mean, they. But I mean, if it's a metaphor that works, well, you know, I mean. And advertisers are, I mean, literally, our most brilliant minds in the world write advertising and our most brilliant writers do jingles it's, yeah I mean yeah. advertisers are black magicians we all know this yeah, yeah no it's a, I, <laughs> yes we lizards. do yeah I'm, I'm glad about a show that I just say that without having to explain it yeah but um, yeah so every three days and the point is so you don't get um, uh, you don't build up a uh, tolerance to it mm-hmm. so yeah I did my oh, so that's why you do it every few days yeah right right and okay. so the idea is like they say like the, the dosing is it's not how you feel on the day you dose it's how you feel two days later Huh. And after like one kind of round of protocol, which is the one I read is 30 days, so 10 doses. Um, I was, I mean, I, I'm not using this word. I don't use this word loosely. It mm-hmm. was miraculous. Like it was something that I had given up all hope ever of knowing that feeling again of like, uh-huh. Oh, this is like what it's like to be me, like without this, like mm-hmm. without like it's. I mean, it's literally like like you know the millstone on your back. It's just shrugging it off. It's like oh wow, I forgot what standing up straight feels like. I forgot what you know like if you ever carried a heavy backpack and take it off, you feel like you can spring forty feet in the air. Two episodes ago, 
Oh, yes. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah, you did a yeah. camping trip. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I totally know that. So that, that's got to be... It's, that it's, sounds interesting. I'm so literally it's really getting like, I, chills on my arms. Yeah. Like, I, I, so, and it's yeah. worked better than any pharmaceutical you've tried, any commercial Far pharmaceutical. It, was, it felt like me again. Pharmaceuticals felt like... And they're very effective. I, again, mm-hmm. I'm not shitting pharmaceuticals. A lot of people that find alternate healing methods mm-hmm. say, like, oh, pharmaceuticals ruin your brain or whatever weird theory they have. If it helps you get rid of depression, boy, take it. Because depression's like, literally, it's the worst thing that can happen. Because you don't feel good anymore. There's yeah. there's very few things, like, I mean, I, I, not, that, not that I want this choice, but we're a deity to come down and say, hey... Here's your choice. You have no depression and you have cancer. You've got 40% chance of survival. I would take it in a second. I'd take the cancer. Because at least you have a chance of enjoying... The phrase is anhedonia, just no joy. Uh-huh. It's, it's pointless. It's a, it's a, you know, we've referenced, I think, before we started, that kind of Greek idea of the afterlife, mm-hmm. you know, the Hades form where like you're, just, you're a shade of yourself. Shade. Yeah. That's what it is. You're just walking around as a shade and you're barely, you're like scraping the bottom of a bucket to get any joy out of you. you know? oh. And it, yeah, so... Well, so it's, that's the, the miraculous bit, the miraculous part of it sounds awesome. Like, that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's great. The, the only downside is there's some small evidence of, uh, and they did the, this is more reference to heavy uh, LSD usage, that there's some mm-hmm. small evidence that there's a, I forget what the actual thing is but basically there can be some heart damage from LSD usage from a lot of LSD usage like because there's there hasn't been studies on LSD since Tim Leary ruined it for everybody you know back in the it was the government that ruined it no it was him if he would just shut his mouth there I would have I would have had this medicine Uh in high school if that asshole didn't do the whole tune in drop out hate the government thing because they had protocols it was in labs Okay, that's a good point. They, we would have been okay, but like, at the same I, time, I, like the, the anger I feel at that man because I've, I've, decades of my life has been either ruined or severely awkward made because <laughs> that dude just couldn't shut up. Yeah, hate him. He's a, he's on my top ten of people I would like to take in the shin. You know, I don't know enough about Timothy Leary to even try to defend him or refute that. So I, I'm okay just sort of hating him for an hour, at least. Yeah, go for it. And then, then I'm gonna, but I am gonna go look this up because I think that there's a lot of stuff going. It was a politically tumultuous time. No, of course. But and I suspect that LSD would have been illegal. No, but regardless. LSD wouldn't have gotten popular. It's it's him walking down the street, banging on a garbage tin, going, "Take this stuff, go in a field and dance to music." Where in in laboratory settings, it's showing signs of. Well, they didn't call PTSD back then, but like showing signs of helping shell shock, showing signs mm-hmm. of helping migraine, which is why they developed the thing in the first place. Yeah. Like showing signs of helping with depression, even though they barely knew depression back then. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, not that they knew, you get what I'm saying, the medical science, you know, right, they weren't right. nearly as advanced as we are now in like, you know, recognition of the, of the you know, disease, if you want to use that word, mm-hmm. which I like to use because... It makes sense. Well... Dis-ease, you know what I mean? Well, people actually had this really upsetting argument last night where a friend of mine uh, admitted to me whilst uh, she was rather drunk, so I'm going to think about forgiving her, where she admitted that she doesn't believe in depression. and Who doesn't that we, believe in depression? Oh, well, her. She said, I chose it. You chose it? I chose this. Oh. Like, that's, that is, I was like, I don't even know how to, I mean, I was shocked. I didn't know how to respond to that, which is not a situation I find myself in often. Yeah. So what does that mean? You can just turn it off? Like you've got like some sort of depression switch? I guess. I mean, because boy, would I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it reminded me of of those people that think like, oh, you choose to be gay, where it's like, 
nah, I'm pretty sure like, you know, like 1950s America, very few people go, you know what I want to do? Because I want to be ostracized horrifically every day, all day, and have to hide the thing I love. That sounds great. Yeah. Let's, let's, yeah, I'm going to tick that box. Yeah, yeah I'm going to tick the, it's, it's, I laid in bed today uh, until I forced myself out because I had to meet Eric for this podcast. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad I did that on a Saturday. I'm sure, I'm sure I made that choice. <laughs> okay, I'm going to talk about another beer now. We've got, we've got, like, a bunch more to go through. So they've got... Like, Ruse doesn't do... They, they've got a couple really standard beers. You know, they've got, like, two IPAs on tap and a, and a Northwest Pale Ale and... Uh, oh, Lost, Let- Lost Letters is a Northeast-style Pale Ale. I, I don't even know what that means. Well, there's a Papyrus Iris, which is which a Northeast-style. Which is a Northeast-style IPA. Those are the cloudy ones. They don't have that on tap right now. Oh, but okay. they did want me to mention that Wednesday, actually the day that this episode is released is the can release for Papyrus Iris. So come down to Ruse and get a six-pack and take it on the river the weekend after, the, this weekend. Yeah, do that. Yeah, it'll be good. You'll like it. I had that uh, last week when I stopped by, and it was delicious. Yes, and I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, any kind of, like, Egyptian uh, references. I'm, I'm good with that, mm-hmm. so well done on this place. Yeah. This is the Turquoise Mountain Sunrise. It's a pineapple farmhouse ale. That's what I'm trying here? Yeah. It says... Uh, it's a Brett barrel-aged golden ale conditioned with pineapple puree. It's really tasty. It's a little fruity for my taste. But uh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, if, if this, I think this is a really wonderful drink if you enjoy drinks that taste like this. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like a well-crafted thing. I just, that's not what I choose to drink. This like, I don't like ciders. Of, and if, you are, if you are dating a woman who really likes uh, pink rosé. Yes. Or... Uh, or, or what do they call it? Yeah, like, you know, pink wines that are sweet. Or uh, if she really likes pina coladas. Or if you like really, really like pina coladas. Or getting caught be... in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this would be a perfect beer for that. Um, it's, I mean, it's really delicious, but it's, uh, it's totally like a, it's a, it's a mom beer. Like, mom's probably yeah. love this No, beer. I mean, it tastes, like, I mean, it, it tastes like pineapple cider, you know, in the way yeah. that apple cider is apple that's pineapple and... I, that would be delicious, and I love pineapples. I just I oh, don't, yeah, me I, too. I don't I don't need fizzy stuff and alcohol to about pineapple. No, I mean yeah. you know what? Little kids would love this beer. Yes, yeah. true. So if you are in the middle of like teaching your small child how to drink, which we don't uh, advocate, but no, I do. What do we know about children? Yeah. No, I, I advocate it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody <laughs> should teach their children how to drink. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to try this one, which is this sounds really interesting. The Briar Run. It's a raspberry and blackberry farmhouse ale. It's all it's oak aged, um, conditioned with raspberries and blackberries, which means that the raspberries and blackberries weren't part of the fermentation, but they basically made a farmhouse ale, poured it into barrels on top of raspberries and blackberries. Uh, oh wow, that's so interesting. So that sounds really interesting to me. Oh my god, it smells incredible. Oh, that's not really good. Oh shit! See. <laughs> That is great. It's so dry. Like you, you feel like how, oh, yeah. how it kind of like sucks the moisture out of your mouth after the beer's gone. Oh, that's much better than it has any right to be. I, like, oh, I, yeah. I don't want berries anywhere near my yeah, beer. But goddamn, that's but very good. This is incredible. Yeah. Like the the raspberries and blackberries like add this like great tartness to it. Uh, like the whole thing. It's it's wow. not overly sweet. It's it's got yeah. That's yeah. Good job, guys. Yeah. That's like Ooh. a if I was reading this on this. On some stars, if I was going to give it stars, 
I'd probably give that four out of five stars. Yeah. That was great. That's a great beer. Yeah, that's, that's, wow. Yeah, I, I'm very impressed by that. I'm generally, again, fruits and fruits and berries anywhere near a beer just yeah. makes me a little awkward. But, geez, that's quite tasty. I yeah, I, I have the same yeah. feeling. Like, I frequently want to avoid fruit in beer. But, um, and in fact, when I was looking at this one on the board, I was like, oh, man, I really want to try a selection of their beers, but I don't want to try a berry beer. Oh, yeah. So I got it reluctantly, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, well done. Uh, and this one I'm, I'm pretty excited about. It's uh, a Mechanical Mind, the West Coast-style double IPA. It's burly, and listen to this, aggressively hopped with mosaic, cashmere, and Simcoe. Brewed for our friend Conrad Andrus, brewer at Culmination Brewing. I like Culmination. They're a good brewery. Um, and it says it's brewed for him, but not with him, so I guess it's not a... It's not a um, collaboration. It must just be a tribute beer. I don't know how that... I don't know what this... I'll have to look that up and see. That's good. I don't feel like that's super hoppy. I mean, there's hops, but... It's not really punching me in the face with them. I don't, in in that we're at the place, I'll uh-huh. just say not to my palate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I was expecting something a little punchier, but the, yeah. I feel like it's got a great malt character to it. So like the sweetness is great. I just want the hops to be a little more forward and a mm. little more like kicky in the face. But um, yeah, it's not a bad beer. It's a medium beer. <laughs> they seem like nice people, so yeah. I think I think I think I've, I think I've made my point. <laughs> well, you know, people. I, I feel like it's better to be honest about the beer than. Okay, that tastes like cold forty-five. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 gross. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, I, no, it's not gross. I guess it, I, I guess it tastes I like if 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 craft brewers made a cold forty-five. Like it's huh. it's yeah, that's. I mean, I've never <laughs> had cold forty-five, so I don't actually know what it tastes like. I, I mean. I don't know that anybody else would make that comparison, but I think you take one swill and then one swill and go, oh, I think I know what he's talking about. Like, there's, okay. there's yeah, it's it's almost like a distant cousin thing where it's like, maybe you could see it a little in the jawline sort of deal. Okay, yeah. well, you know, I mean, like I said, I don't taste the hops in there the way I want to. Oh, no. Uh, I really want, like, with a double IPA, you know, I mean, I, I know that a lot of times the double IPA means uh, just double the grain bill, but a lot of times it also means double the hops. So you get something that's kind of over the top and unbalanced. It's going to be too boozy, too sweet, and too hoppy. But this is less hoppy than a strong ale would be. I, I guess I, I, mean, I want more hops. It honestly tastes a little skunk. Like, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, skunk usually comes from hops, so that's good. No, I mean, like, like if, if you're having, you know, like, you wake up at the party and you're like, oh, I'm so hungover, I'm just going to drink this beer that's been sitting out all night. There's a bit of that, like that kind of skunk. <laughs> uh, I wish I didn't know that Though, feeling. I, I do have to say that hides 8.5% very well. It does. That does it not does. taste like an 8.5. And that's that's a that's a good um, technique. That's a good skill to have yeah. to field it. Yeah, I'm looking at the at the little cheat sheet of beers here and yeah, they're all a lot more alcoholic than I would have thought, which is yeah, that's really well done. That's well crafted. Good thing we walked. Hey, did you walk? No, no. I ran late because I was uh, curled up in my bed. Oh. So, I drove. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> it's cool, you know. I mean, you know, you'll you'll microdose again, and everything. I hope so. The clouds will part. So, can you microdose with LSD? Have you tried that? Uh, I have a dose in me right now. 
Oh. Uh, it doesn't work as well. It, it's helpful, uh, but it's more of a... So microdosing, when it got its start, uh, uh-huh. at least the kind of popularization was from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And it was people doing it with LSD. Yeah. And it's for... It's like... Um, ADD med. Uh, okay. What's the ADD med people take for fun? There's Ritalin and then Adderall. Adderall is what I'm thinking of. People compare it to Adderall. Okay. That you're focused, you can get things done. It's Silicon Valley people that like need to work, you know, really concentrate for longer hours than the brain's supposed to. Yeah. That's where that comes from. Very good. It it's helpful for me. Like it's, but it's not. It doesn't do the same. No, it's. Yeah, I mean, really, the only reason I'm keeping it up is because I, I bought LSD so now I just have some tabs sitting there I'm like I guess I should just so microdose how much, so you so you have like blotter paper tabs paper tabs that are 100 um, micrograms and how do you cut them up you drop it in vodka or you can use distilled water okay um, and then you just mix it up and then I have a little syringe you pull out 10 milliliters so it'd be one tenth of okay. so it's 10 micrograms okay yeah right. which is where I got the microgram confusion because acid works that way My, uh, yeah, mushrooms don't. yeah 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 LSD has a really, really low uh, effective dosage yeah. compared to like any other drug on the planet. Yeah, that's that's where my confusion earlier came from because I normally do uh, the mushrooms, but I was just recently made a batch of the, mm-hmm. the acid-based ones. Yeah, so you just I bought these little uh, cooking syringes mm-hmm. and then you just pull it into a little plunger and I put it in a dumb shot glass, shoot it back in the morning, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's helpful. I, I not that I'm not recommending it, but uh, it's just not the same. Yeah, for for me, it's not really there. I think it's more of a kind of if you want to get stuff done, you know, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, you know, if you're neurotypical, but you want to, you know, n- you know, get a lot of, I don't know, woodworking done or what? I don't know what regular people do. <laughs> I don't know what neurotypical people do either. Yeah. I, I might be neurotypical, but I can't. I, but I probably am not. I yeah. mean, You know, I'm an occultist. I don't think occultists are neurotypical people. Yeah. This is this is a lot of truth you're speaking. I don't really even like the term neurotypical, but. Um, because people who don't struggle with life yeah (laughs) but you can't say that you know and everybody has their struggles but there are some people who spend a lot of time struggling man versus himself you know like that style of struggle where your 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 main obstacles are ones that that exist within you instead of ones that exist in the outside world perhaps like i don't know no this is a very good this is a great way to explain it because people often when when asked about so a lot of people don't understand depression at all yeah and that's great for them i feel like i'm gonna say that i don't understand depression at all so but people do understand oh well you know one time i whatever died or whatever Mm -hmm. and i was super depressed so it's hard to kind of those aren't the same right because in that case like that's that's grieving yeah and you have something that is a definite cause it's and you're co- yeah. definitely reacting to something. Like, oh, I would love a reason that I was yeah. depressed. Because then there's something to fight against. But instead it's just it's like... Just, my, my mind doesn't produce the right, you know, combination of, of neural synapses or whatever's, yeah. whatever's gone wrong in the building of my brain. And lots of stuff happened right. Like, I have a good memory. I'm reasonably smart. Like, lots of goodness. But that the feeling good about stuff section uh-huh. just, you know, they... they switched up. Yeah, they used all the spackle in, in the, uh, you know, remembering stuff about, you know, 1980s Voltron cartoons. That section is... Is is good? Did we I, did we talk about the new Voltron? Uh, no, we didn't. I mean, or maybe is, we did. This know. is totally like an Alex Cast sort of subject, but but I'm okay talking about it now. But <laughs> also talking about one thing, getting completely side railed by something completely <laughs> silly is a very Alex Cast way to do things. Well, yeah. so uh, so there's this new Voltron cartoon, uh, Voltron. What is it? Ultimate Defender or Legendary Defender? 
think that's the name of it. It's on Netflix, and it's freaking incredible. Like, it's got a storyline. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of it. It's been on since 2016, so it's been going for, like, two years. Have you watched all of it yet? I haven't watched all of it. I've watched up through probably, like, season four or something. Like, Lotar has come back, and okay. they're fighting... Uh, Lotar's come back, and the evil Zarkon yeah. is back now, too. And and the rebels have, like, had their first great victory, and they've, they've taken back a significant chunk of the Galra Empire. Um, but, but it's just, like, it's really engaging. It's got great characters, and I'm really enjoying it. And even better, you know, we were talking about kids earlier. I'm going to talk about kids again. My, my nibblings, my, my little brother's uh, kids who are five and nine, love it. So when yeah. I go over to his house, in order to like calm kids down, you know, you, you, you don't give them whiskey anymore. Instead, you give them cartoons. And they want to watch Voltron. It's friggin' brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I would have loved that, because as, as somebody that writes stories uh, often, mm-hmm. it's miraculous I know how to tell a story, given the cartoons I grew up on, where it's just... Yeah, when the bad go, guys over there. Let's shoot near them. Rinse, wash, you know. It's just yeah, because there's there's killing on Voltron. They, I mean, a lot of the bad guys are robots, but there are good guys. There are bad guys yeah. and good guys that get killed. Well, and there's storytelling, which is there's the main thing. Like, too, yeah. You know, when I grew up, like the Voltron was a bad guy came from space. Let's form Voltron. Hit him with our sword. Maybe there's a two-parter where in the second part you beat them with your sword. You know, so, you know but you know, right. now this is like you know full story arcs, which I love. Modern TV for that is that yeah. they've adopted the like long-form storytelling. And I think there are a lot of cartoons where they've they've uh, accepted the fact that like okay, we want we want to make something that kids and their parents can watch together. So there'll be like it'll be all flashy animation and you know, crazy characters and stuff to entertain the kids while at the same time having, like, an adult storyline or, like, a grown-up plot that grown-ups can follow along with and be like, oh, what's going to happen next? Um, And I appreciate that a lot. And probably the best example of that and maybe, like, the shining example of cartoons in our lifetime is Adventure Time. I, I adore Adventure Time. Adventure Time is so brilliant. So... Actually... Wizards in Adventure Time are based on madness and sadness. Yeah, so this is something uh, I'm glad to bring this up. I, long story short, I've had these kind of waveforms of getting slightly better, mm-hmm. getting worse, microdosing, which was the main one. But so I was at very near my bottom, like just every day panicking, super depressed. It was just, it was really, really bad. Uh-huh. And uh, that's when I happened to find Adventure Time. And, I, and it could not have come at a better moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is just magical. And I found this website that streams all of them. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, it was just a few days of like, oh, this is so comforting. And like, all I need is comfort right now. And it's just like this perfect thing. And then Bemo starts making more appearances. And yeah. I believe Bemo to be the greatest character ever made. Falstaff can suck us Falstaff. Bemo is the greatest character ever made. Bemo's pretty great, but you know what? I kind of like um, I kind of like uh, the Ice King and Marceline and their story. Yeah, which Whoa. is brilliant, and and that, especially with uh, Betty. Is that the name of Betty? The, is yeah, uh, who, who uh, gets, Simon's ex uh, girlfriend. Simon's ex girlfriend who at some point gets the magic man's hat. Yes, and I think actually the last episode that I've seen of Adventure Time. Uh, you know, all this stuff happens where Finn and Jake have to, like, fix the elemental issues in the kingdom. And at the end of it, Betty or somebody 
the one who has the magic man's hat is transported to Mars. Oh, yeah. With the actual magic man. Who is normal man now. Who's normal man now. Sitting over here being like, this is going to be trouble. Yeah, this show's so good. No, no, you're right, of course. The the, the Betty Ice King Marceline storyline is, of course, about... And it's like I, a thousand years I long. literally cried when he started singing the Cheers theme to her because what a heart, what a just a heart uh, string pulling episode. Yeah. The reason I say Bimo is it just, it turns out I have a thing for like old lady Korean accents because apparently just, that's that's what the Bimo accent is. And uh-huh. I just, I'm like, oh, you could say anything. And I just, I, I just adore Bimo. You, you've been well, to Bimo's the Elsa studio. Yeah. Bimo is sitting on the table there mm-hmm. and there's a little, I bought a, I bought a, a Bimo. A Bimo as a full adult, like I'm in my 30s, and I went to Amazon and bought a Bimo. <laughs> you know what? I feel like you could probably uh, do like a Raspberry Pi or Arduino based it's been made. Bimo video game thing. Yeah, there's uh, this guy made one and gave it to Penn Ward, the guy that makes Adventure Time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a full interactive Bimo that took clips from the shows, but you can talk to it. You're mm-hmm. like, hey, Bimo, what's up? Hi, you know, I don't know. Today is a great day. I'm looking in the mirror. Oh, no, <laughs> it is football. Football is bad. Like, so, but it's, it's interactive, like really rudimentary AI. You Your know, back old and lady forth. Uh, Korean accent sounds kind of like a Mexican accent. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I was just trying to rush through it because in no way was it going to get it right. And if it did, it would come across as very racist. Yeah, so I just, I, I just figured I would just, I just push through. You understand? An accent was meant to be here. Okay. But yeah, uh, but you can say to Bimo, "Hey Bimo, I'd like to play a game," and Bimo will go great. And then its screen turns into a game, and you can actually use the buttons on Bimo's body to play, you know, like a Game Boy style game. Yeah, it's really cool. That's uh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. The guy sells the kits or uh-huh. tells you how to make the kits online. Uh-huh. Huh, that might be worth looking into. Okay, this is the last beer that I picked out. This is Grizzly Menace Rum and Chocolate. It's a rum barrel aged robust porter brewed with coffee, chocolate. Oh, copious amounts of chocolate and aged in rum barrels. Ooh. I'm very excited about this one. When I saw it on the board, like strong. Over-the-top, barrel-aged imperial stouts are among my favorite style of beer. Like, I just love that kind of, like... Oh, it, it, they're, 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 out. Yeah. We know it's super nice out here, uh-huh. but the OLCC doesn't let us drink in the hallway. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, I guess we'll move. It was a nice run while it lasted. My Alchemical Bromance is sponsored by Miskatonic Books. Miskatonic Books is an online bookstore that focuses on rare, limited edition, and custom-made books of the highest quality. They specialize in books on the occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, Hermeticism, and other topics of interest to you, our listeners. Check them out on the web at miskatonicbooks.com. It's live. All right. Uh, all right. So this is going to be a little confusing if you're out there in the audience because, first of all, there's background noise now, and second of all, we've switched sides. We're on different channels. Oh, I didn't think about that. It's okay. Nobody, nobody will care. Yeah. Probably. I don't think anybody listens. Well, I mean, do you, do you edit it so that it's in stereo, equal ears? Uh, oh, you totally should, though, because that's really irritating. Because I only listen to the podcast in one ear. You do? Yeah. Well, I guess I could. I should probably do that. I should probably make it mono. Well, I mean, it's one of those things, like, they actually teach you that in, like, safety classes, that if you're walking through a neighborhood, you don't know, have at least one earbud out. They say take out both, but at least okay, one Okay, well, out. that's good yeah. feedback, and I will totally <laughs> change it so that both people are in both ears. Yeah. 
in which case people at home will not feel any level of confusion. Yeah, use, use my expertise. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a grizzled old veteran of these podcast wars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We Okay, hold on. Let's let's talk about this beer first. Uh, oh, yeah. We, we got cut off before we got to cho- talk about the Grizzly Menace Rum and Chocolate. We didn't even taste it yet. Oh, my God. It smells like... It smells like iced coffee. Oh. Yes. 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 That is... That's the style of beer I like. Yeah, it's really good. It is hot. It is oaky. It is super chocolatey and coffee-y. Like, there's a ton of shit going on in there. Yeah. I really like how the coffee kind of hits late. Yeah. Like it kind of it, it starts chocolate and then kind of ends coffee, if that makes sense. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. And there's a sweetness that kind of runs through it, like this kind of like residual. It's not caramel. It's molasses. It's like a re- residual molasses sweetness that yeah. that kind of hangs well, it's out. Well, rum barrel is, right? Oh yeah. yeah, which is made out of. Okay, that totally yeah, makes yeah. sense. It's made from molasses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Well um, done, Grizzly well uh, Menace Rum. And that, I mean, it's a it's an awful name, but really good beer. I kind of like Grizzly Menace. No, that's fine. It's just all the other words afterwards. Grizzly Menace <laughs> Rum and Chocolate. Yeah. If you need if you need to conjoin parts of your beer name, let's. <laughs> yeah, I would say just calling it Grizzly Menace Stout. Perfect. Or Grizzly Menace Porter would have been great. Yeah. And then you know, they could have figured you can figure out the rest just for tasting it. Yeah. Uh, but that's really tasty. That's that's a really intense beer. This would be a great after-dinner beer. I'd say any time of the year. But like right now, since it's the middle of summer, I would say get some of this, do a barbecue, and afterwards when you're sitting around all full and maybe there's a bonfire. This should probably be a bonfire. Yeah, probably. You sip this and maybe have a cigar. Yeah, I believe I think that is the, t- the same time of day and situation in which cigar smoking is appropriate. Yeah, would be this would be appropriate. This is a cigar. I mean, actually, yeah. basically, just treat that like a porter. Any, yeah. Anywhere you have a, a porter or a um, you know any any of those kind of deeper you know. Man, this might be my favorite. Do you want to chug the rest of it? No, no, you you, you go ahead. Okay. It, it is uh, uh, thick chocolate beers and warm yeah. weather don't mix to me, but it's absolutely delicious. Like, I agree, they yeah, do not yeah. mix, yeah. but sometimes they're also kind of irresistible. Yeah, my I I I don't do well with heat, so it's just any oh, kind of warmth that's just like most of my senses just start breaking down. It's just I need yellowy beer. That's the thing. I totally know how you feel about heat. Like the heat really really bugs me. Um, but I mean, what can you do? We live in Oregon, and thanks to global warming, summers keep getting worse. Yeah, I mean, when I moved here, it was kind of great, and now it's stupid global warming caught up with me. I have to move like north more. Just eventually going to live in Alaska. There's that song, Johnny Horton, North to Alaska, go north, the rush is on. Oh yeah, I'm on but, it, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so let's see. We were just talking about Adventure Time, and then when we were moving, we talked a little bit about Steven Universe, which is another really good one of those cartoons. I don't know if it has as much, like, a cult undertone. No, not at but all. But there's yeah. still, like, an interesting... I think one of the things that's really fascinating about Steven Universe, like you, you were saying, like, they, they do talk about gender identity, but there's also, like, this this species identity where 
the more you learn about the gems, the more you learn that, like for them, the whole concept of being an individual is alien and weird, right? Like, like the rest of the gems that they encounter don't even understand it. Like nobody understands that that the the characters in the Steven universe that are the gems are are unique because they they differentiate themselves and make their own decisions and aren't part of this like weird hierarchy. It's almost like you get the idea that gems are driven by just sort of this need to expand and make everything into gem. Yeah, well, that's the idea. And yeah. then, yeah, so it's, then, but it's it's great for, like, kind of younger people, you know, it's just celebrating the, like, kind of individual differences. Like, one of the characters is, you know, a flawed version, and that's what makes her the one that's on the team, you know? Yeah. I can't remember her name, the bouncy round one. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Ruby? No. Amethyst. Is that it, Amethyst? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Isn't she the... Yeah, Amethyst, yeah. Because yeah, Amethyst, With Garnet, and... And, uh, and uh, Pearl. Pearl, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, Amethyst. yeah. Yeah, yeah and, she's, and she's literally a bad version of an Amethyst, and that's what makes her unique, which is a... I mean, there's a brilliant follow-up on a depression discussion is, oh, yeah. hey, look, the, the, sometimes the flaws will make you the thing that, you know, you're the lead character of the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like... Honestly, I feel like that's one of the things about mental disease, mental illness in general, is that a lot of times it's a it's a point of uniqueness that that kind of I mean it, it does create your personality in a lot of ways, right? Like yeah, I mean it it, it certainly is a it's it's an interesting kind of d- dynamic that happens, especially like growing up with like mental illness or whatever. Where in depression is one of the weird ones. It usually happens like kind of post pubescence. Like uh-huh. it, there's not a lot of depressed little kids. I mean, until recently, where they started prescribing uh, uh, far more medication to children than they should. But um, historically, depression has been a post pubescence thing. So it's like you're sort of well formed, so you kind of know who you are. But also, it like informs all of your like. I, I mean, I think without depression, like. How's Good, your the, the other bartender kicked us out. Kick us in, I guess. Kick us in. Well, you know what? That's cool. Like, you need a good cop, bad cop sort of thing with bartenders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just without depression, I mean, you wouldn't have a lot of good writing and, and movies. And, <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like um, does your depression fill your writing at all? Does it does it help your writing or does it like ins- give you inspiration? Is it I, a mixed I, bag? It's I think historically it has like when you're young and depression is still kind of sexy, which yeah. is weird, you know, because you're oh, yeah. like the, the tortured artist. But as you know, as you age, it's just it's less sexy. It's more real, you know. It's you know as you as you start you know as you start slouching a little bit as the belly starts distending, you know, as 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 age catches, it's not sexy depression. Now it's like oh this is. This is the long trudge style depression, and a lot of depressed people talk about this. Where yeah. there is this weird, like, kind of switchover that happens, and now, like, because when you're young, you're like the you're like the brooding artist, exactly, the, with the black trench coat and exactly. the clothes, which I had, yeah, 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 which I had, <laughs> and the hot topic T-shirts, yeah. and you're like, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it's kind of yeah, it does fuel in a way, but it like. I think at a certain point you switch over to like it fuels while you're kind of honing your writing skills, like honing your your craft and like kind of what you want to write. And then at a certain like right now, I just want depression to be gone so I can just get on the business of being a writer. Yeah. Where it used to be like I can write about depression, kind of like live with it. It's like that story's are, I've already told those stories, you know. Like now it's kind of well, you know, where do you move from here? And where do you yeah. move from here is like this desire for a clear mind, so you can like like I would love to know what me like three years with a completely depression-free head I, I'm very curious as to what I'm gonna write like I'm I'm looking forward to it to see like what comes out because like I don't know what he writes like you know 
Wait, who? Me. Like no, I don't oh, know. You mean, I don't know what a depression-free Alex writes like. I don't know what yeah. a few years in a row does to me writing-wise, like creativity-wise. Like I, I haven't had it as, as an adult. So like okay. I'm, I'm, you know, if I, if I can find a way to kind of you know go into microdosing, if I can find a steady source and, and keep on a regimen and like everything works out and it can kind of feel you know symptom-free for a long period of time. I'm yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see like what what What'll work happen. that person produces. You know, what a depression-free Alex can produce. We yeah, I, I'd like to see that too. We should, let's we'll find out. Yeah, hopefully. Well, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm wondering, like, so you you've uh, you've done a lot of chaos magic, right? Yeah. Like you practice chaos magic. Yeah. Does does any part of chaos magic involve like a daily practice, like uh, you know, every day you meditate and do the lesser banishing ritual or anything of that nature? Like, uh, is there a daily practice element to chaos magic? Well, I mean, the answer is. Simultaneously, yes and no. The entire point of chaos magic is there. There is no thing called chaos magic. Yeah, there is right. no. There is no rote ritual, which is part of the reason that I stopped reading about it. Because people started to like start to say things like, "Oh, that's not a chaos magic work. Or, that's not how you make a sigil." And it's like, do you do you not get the entire point of this? Like, you should just go back to old school ritualistic magic. That's what you want. That because yeah. like, that's that's why I, I went more towards like the chaos magic side. Is I find ritualistic magic. For me, born like I find it fascinating. Like I could talk to you about it forever. Uh-huh. I never want to do it. But, like it right. just, it just, it, it just, it seems like a trudge. Like it seems like homework. But like the, the chaos magic uh, is raw. The kind of raw like. When we first started inventing magic, that's what chaos magic feels like. Like when we were like, like Neanderthals you, you writing. Know, I think game. that that's true, yeah. uh, and I think that you know that's actually something that I uh, learned from one of my te- John Michael Greer, uh, who I consider one of my teachers yeah. mainly because he taught me a ton of stuff when he was my neighbor. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, my my favorite breakthrough story is like John Michael and I were sitting. Um, working through Agrippa and the Golden Dawn stuff at the same time trying to work out how to do a planetary talisman. And I was like, well, there's nothing in here about how this works and how this works. He's like, well, make it up. I'm like, what do you mean make it up? Isn't there like ritual for this? He's like, no, you make it up. Somebody made all this shit up eventually. It's all chaos magic when you get down to it. And I was like, oh, and my head exploded. That's, that's, yeah. It's it's the whole thing of like, it goes back to like shamanistic magic where where it's just, all we are is we're trying to talk ourselves into adjusting the universe, which we don't believe we can do. So we have to find some way to talk ourselves into it. So if it involves a ceremonial dagger, banishing rituals, involves drawing all sorts of shit in the air with your ceremonial dagger, if it involves X number of candles over X things when when something is aligned with the other thing, and when, when Mars is in recession, that's when it works. That has nothing to do with it being effective. What it has to do with effective is that you believe that's effective. And it's, that's why the universe can change because you're the you're the universe therefore the creator of the universe if you believe it's changed it's changed I just I, I just would prefer a shortcut mm-hmm. you know because right. that's a lot of stuff to remember for what I now believe to be intrinsically just kind of it's just kind of gussied up psychic you know <laughs> like it's, it's so here, the reason that, that I was asking about like the daily practice is I was wondering if having like a daily meditation practice or a daily ritual practice did anything to help um, like control the symptoms of depression or control the effects of depression like have you have you tried that do you know it, uh, I have attempted it but one of the one of the kind of um, it's, it's almost hard to describe but like 
When you get it, so the whole kind of depression thing is a lot of it is kind of your inability to do stuff in a way that you can't describe. Uh, it's almost like trying to describe writer's block. So like, it sounds yeah. like your your will is sapped then. Or, in or in like a way, so like, so I was in a daily meditation practice for a long time. Like uh-huh. I still meditate pretty frequently, but like I was like daily, if not at least you know five times a week, like a pretty significant amount of the week. I did it some kind of meditation. And then as I was getting more depressed, like I kind of, you know, was going into like a, of a low and I thought, oh, this will help my depression almost immediately. I didn't want to do it anymore. And it's not like I didn't want to. It's just like now the energy. Yeah, it's just this weird. It's almost like, like, like if I was interested in something in, let's say, if I was interested in a topic in, in when you're in high school, you're like, oh, I'm going to read about this. The second you have a quiz on you, are like, ah, fuck that shit. I don't want to read about that nonsense. Where it's just your brain kind of just doesn't, it's so, like, oh, that could provide me comfort. So whatever that switches your brain, just go fuck that. Turn that thing off. Like it's the self-sabotaging mechanism of depression. Yeah. That's interesting though, like the, that you were, you were in the middle of a meditation practice when the depression kicked in or when the depression Wait, got kind of, stronger. Yeah, kicked back in. Or, so yeah, really or, that's actually just sort of saying like, no, a regular meditation practice is not going to directly help you with this. For me. Like, yeah. but I know people that, yeah, it helped them immensely. I know people that yoga helped immensely. Like yoga yeah. is nothing for me. I just, I, it's just, yoga to me feels like, and again, it, yoga just feels like gussied up meditation which what it is it's stretching and meditating at yeah. the same time yeah I mean yeah but that's the thing it's like yoga as we understand in the west is just one part of a of an ancient Indian tradition and literally the only reason they stress so much is so they can meditate longer that's where yoga came from it's so your body is limber enough so you can go into those like that like really deep meditation thing where you can starve yourself for days on end and yeah. sit in full lotus for days on end that's the beginning of, of yoga but now here it's like that's the beginning middle and end of yoga so it's it, sorry, I don't. I'm not cheating on yoga. It's just like no. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you're it's, right though. Like yeah. there's there's so much shit to yoga, uh, and including like lots of stuff that we don't even have access to in the West yet, yeah. or maybe some people do. But it's not like if you go take your your yoga class or you go do goat yoga or whatever, you're not you're not getting access to like the spiritual side of it. Yeah. Or I mean, there's a whole branch of yoga that doesn't even involve stretching at all. No, I mean, that's the thing is, that, that's, yoga we refer to as a yoga. Like, yoga is a, is a practice. So there's, like, like I think the one that we use, what is it, pranayama yoga? Is that the one that we Pranayama use? is breathing. It's breathing. So there's breathing yoga and then stretch yoga, and then there's... there's yeah, hatha yoga is, like, the one that everybody practices. Well, hatha yoga includes, I think pranayama is a technique yeah, that maybe that, goes across... Yeah. Different. So, but there's like four different things. So there's like meditation in the body, which is prana, pranayama and and you know, hatha. and hatha. And then there's like then there's like literally like like reading from books is a yoga. Like uh-huh. like teaching is a yoga. Like yoga is like teaching. Like it's there's thinking yogas. There's yeah. you know there's, there's, there's apparently um, some a, kind of yoga that's that's very much like Western ceremonial magic called uh, raja yoga too. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I didn't. Uh, Ratha, Ratha yoga, yeah. maybe. But I, I don't know. I know there's like. I'm a, gonna sound like a yoga idiot on well, the internet now. Well, no. If we're in the West, just by you being aware that yoga in the West isn't yoga, we're already exponentially above like the <laughs> girls and very nice pants that we walk by frequently. You know, yoga pants are the best thing that yoga has introduced oh, yeah, to the West. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, it's the one positive to yoga, and I would never banish it from the country. I just. I, it's the same people that would bitch about cultural appropriation, yeah. and then they go to their yoga class, and it's like, do you not see the, the <laughs> intrinsic problem here? It's like, literally, you stole a bit of the culture and completely whiteified it, and it's like, yelling about cultural appropriation. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, so there's like, uh, yeah, there's, I think there's like starvation yoga is another one. Like, you know, the, like the sadhus that like hold their hand oh, above right. the head for like, until the hand withers. Like, uh-huh. that's a yoga. Like, there's, there's, yeah. 
I think I'm gonna have to find some yoga experts to talk to. You should. I would love to listen to that because, like, yeah. I this is me kind of reading random shit, like, kind of while reading other things about India, finding this stuff out. Like, I, I like I love Indian like kind of uh, religious belief. Like, I love their stories. Uh-huh. So, like, I, you know, on the side, you're like, oh, and that's how yoga works. So, like, these little stories of, like, a sadhu that did this. Where it's like, so I sort of know, but it's kind of like, in my, not the, not the, you know, cheap plug, but it's, it's in my periphery of what I'm interested in, in, in Indian uh-huh. kind of thought. So, it's like, kind of on the side of my eye, it's like, why is that guy with his hand over his head? Oh, he's trying to, you know, show penance to blah, blah, blah. But penance is a long word. That's a very right. Western word, but I don't know what they call it. Yeah. It's that makes a, sense. Well, they do. It's not penance. It's they're basically you gain like kind of religious points. Well, it's not penance. It's uh, it's devotion. It's like proving devotion or showing. Uh, De- devotion is the wrong word too. It's it basically it's it's like if there's a video game, your spiritual points go up the longer you can hold your hand over your head. So you get like like it's XP. A spiritual version for like it's spiritual planking yeah so okay. the longer you can plank uh, uh, the more XP you get and then you're more religious yeah. huh. it's interesting but again these are things that have been completely translated and described to me in a <laughs> book so but I mean that's that's my understanding of it and it seems it, it seems like that would you know make a fair amount of sense yeah I have to think about that for a little while now there's, Anyhow, there is a term for it. I, I just don't remember it. Like that, the thing they're building up is uh-huh. is, is, is a thing. Like when um, um, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, generally, there's there's an Indian term for the the spiritual XP that gets built. I just I, I don't recall it. We'll have to look it up and see what we can figure yeah. out. Okay, we this is I think we've recorded a lot now. So yeah, I think so. Let's. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet, and especially where they can buy your novel Periphery, which. We didn't really talk about very much, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, you, I mean, on Amazon, uh, my name's Alex Bolin. Uh, Alex with two X's, B-O-L-L-E-N. Two X's, two L's. Yeah, which, I mean, it's probably going to be on the title of this episode, so I didn't really need to spell that. But, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's called Periphery. I've got a bunch of short stories. Um, Periphery is the most kind of uh, magical realism-style one. The one with the world is kind of like a cult references and the magical leanings. I've read it, and it's a great book. No. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's lots of uh, weird magic-y stuff. And, you know, if you're if you're someone that knows about uh, kind of occult and ritual, you'll recognize, like, a lot of the last days are, like, a, a lot of finger-on-the-nose winks to things. You know? Also, there's a tree that eats people. Oh, that's true, yeah. There's a tree that or eats people. balloons. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's <laughs> close enough. Especially weird enough, that comes from an Indian story of a tree that eats people. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> in the Indian wilderness, is a, a cryptid, I guess you would call, uh, that it's a tree that it will eat you if you go down the wrong oh, path. Shit. Yeah, but they believe it's, like, real. It's not like a fairy story. Like, they actually think this is a... Not, you know... It's not, but they, you know, in that area, they actually believe it's a, it's a thing. But yeah, that's uh, you can find me. Or um, I do a movie podcast called John and Alex Eat Stuff, and I'm restarting a, uh, a podcast I've done for many years called the Alex Cast, which Eric has been on a couple times. Yeah, three. Yeah. Well, two and a half. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. The third will come out. It's okay. just, you know, we're, I'm just waiting on on that. Yeah. For reasons. Well, you know, we can we can link to those episodes. Oh, yeah. We can cross-link between this episode and that episode. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. We can okay. be like an old GeoCities ring. Remember ring websites? You know, we were uh, the I worked for WebRing. Oh, does really? Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, look at that. Talk, talk about, putting, yeah. talk about know, the Ouroboros completing itself. Yeah. I know, I think the WebRing just ate itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, and then, uh, yeah, and then you're on Twitter. 
Oh yeah, the Alex Cast on Twitter, um, Alex Bolin on Instagram. I'm, I'm findable. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not internet unsavvy. So if you if you Google me, all sorts of shit shows up. Pretty and much every Alex with two X's is Alex Bolin. Well, there's a guy called Alex Castillo in somewhere in Mexico. That, he has a cat. Uh, well, he's he's some kind of like uh, uh, he local talks politician. like an old Korean lady. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, according yeah. to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks. This has been My Alchemical Bromance. You can find us on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, since you enjoyed this episode so much, and I hope that you go on to one of those and give us like a five-star rating and a glowing review and all that stuff. Yeah, what he said. Those yeah. are great ideas. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. cheers.